Hey guys, it's Megan Luke. We just wanted to do a quick touch base today because the FDA had its hearing on the first Duchenne drug, and some of the results were fairly surprising. Luke, you want to start? Yeah. So as is usually the case with these types of meetings, you hear the company make its case first, and then the FDA has its clinical and statistical reviewers go over the same set of data. And early in the morning, I just sat there waiting for the company to really make a compelling case. And I kept waiting and waiting And I just felt like they were not making a persuasive case for this drug at all. And I guess we should even go back two days before, because on Friday, the FDA released the briefing documents ahead of this meeting, and they were very, very long. And I think they contained some things that really surprised some people, um, particularly, I think, on the safety of this drug. Of course, this is Biomarin's drug, Drysoperson, that we talked about a lot in the last episode. And in terms of safety, the FDA says, quoting here from the documents, that the safety profile of Drysoperson is concerning, even in the context of an invariably disabling and fatal disease such as DMD. They said that severe toxicity across many organ systems was encountered and appeared to predict a number of the adverse events that were subsequently observed in the clinical studies. These are things from kidney injury, thrombocytopenia or a low platelet count. Uh, They say vascular injury and then dermal toxicity, these sort of injection site reactions of the drug. We heard a lot about those today at the advisory committee meeting. Yeah, I think thrombocytopenia and the renal injury, the kidney problems, were the two big ones. And there were proposals even thrown out there about how these these side effects are so serious that the boys would need to be monitored every two weeks for their platelet counts to make sure that they had enough platelets in their blood so that they could adequately clot if they got a cut. If you have severe thrombocytopenia, it's almost like uh, you know having hemophilia. So that's not to be taken lightly. Uh, the kidney injury, the same sort of thing. You'd, you'd have to monitor these boys every two weeks. So there was a lot of data here that the FDA was able to review, which was more concerning than the safety profile that I think had been discussed uh, publicly beforehand. Yeah, it really seemed to surprise a lot of people. And then you have to look at that in the context of how effective this drug looks. And some of the panelists today, I think, made the point that if a drug looks to be really effective and really helping people, then maybe it should be put in the hands of the patient community how much safety risk they're willing to take in exchange for getting a drug that really could potentially work. But they said in this case, they didn't see the efficacy there. So the phrase I kept hearing at this meeting today was, it's not there yet. And it seemed to have really changed a lot of people's view about whether this drug should be approved and whether it will be approved. Well, the thing that you need to remember is that uh, this drug failed in a phase three study, the most rigorous type of study designed to assess whether it's working. And they randomly assigned 186 patients, uh, half to the drug, half to placebo, and and it failed. And it wasn't even close. And so the burden of, of proof is really on the, the back of the company to say, as they used in their own words, to look at the totality of the data package 
and find something of value in there. Give the FDA a reason to approve this drug. And no matter how they tried to slice and dice the data, they still couldn't come up with anything that I found convincing that that would justify approving the drug. Interestingly, the FDA didn't ask the panel of outside advisors to vote on whether the drug should be approved. And I saw some people speculating that that was because they didn't want to put that kind of pressure on this group of advisors, given the intense passion in the patient community. And we did hear that passion today. I think there were more than 30 people on the public testimonial roster. Uh, Some of them didn't end up testifying, actually, so it was less than 30. And I don't know why those people weren't there. That does happen at these things, not just at this one. It was a little odd. There were some really heart-wrenching stories being told by these parents. They were clearly well-prepared. They have great human stories to tell. They're desperate for something new. And some of the people who testified were even kids. Yeah, I mean, that took some guts. Hats off to the kids, particularly. And, And maybe that's why the FDA didn't ask the panel to vote, because it would have been pretty hard for those scientific reviewers to say no to those people who clearly mean well and, um, you know, deserve something. And most of the voting, I mean, all of the voting today, there are four voting questions. They were really all about how persuasive the data were backing up this drug. And the voting was just overwhelmingly negative on that. But they added a discussion at the end that wasn't on the agenda, a discussion around the totality of the data. And and then they did strike a tone that maybe was slightly more, you know, understanding of this the the desperation in this disease. They expressed their just anguish that they they didn't feel it was right to uh, support these data. It was very interesting to hear them just kind of end on that note of, you know, we, we wish it was there, but it just doesn't seem like it's there. Yeah. I sensed a, a bit of anguish, actually, in a couple of the panelists. I mean, that they kind of wanted to vote for this drug, but they just couldn't. Given the evidence that's put in front of them, the drug is not showing any convincing evidence that it works, and it is showing some alarming safety signals. So I find it hard to imagine that the FDA could allow this one on the market as is. Mm -hmm. So that's where it landed today for Biomarin. And the FDA will decide by the end of December whether to approve that drug. At least that's the decision date that they've given right now. We should discuss very briefly, I think, the impacts here on Sarepta's drug. On Friday, when these documents came out, the stock went up 30%. Yeah, Sarepta is a different kind of story because they do have a small study that shows a connection, we think, between increased production of the dystrophin protein, which is how the drug is supposed to work, with a slight improvement over placebo on the clinical endpoint, six-minute walk test. But the problem here is this is just one study of 12 boys. It's a very small study at a single site. So, I mean, we heard today the panelists were raising questions about small sample sizes, small data sets. Well, I mean, how are they going to react to a single study of 12 boys? Yeah. Well, a lot more to come, uh, but we just wanted to close the loop on this one because it was a big one for biotech, but a lot more events coming down the line for Duchenne. So... 
we will be back on this one. We'll listen to that one again in January. <laughs> Definitely. Meanwhile, stay tuned for our next episode coming next week. 